Yeah, I just, uh, you guys just uh, conceded a goal against Belgium. Ah, right? uh, well. Yeah, I know. I, I, uh, I'm not a sports person. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so the World Cup is, uh, I mean, add to it, I'm an American, and I'm an American that doesn't like sports. And you can tell how interested I might be in the World Cup. Yeah, I just like the classification, not a sports person. <laughs> I think that's as generic as it gets, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, I, I understand the appeal, but it does not. It has not translated to me. My family, everybody else likes sports, uh, but I don't. Yeah, well, none of them like soccer, right? None of them uh, like soccer. Some of them, have, yeah. like my cousins, they're younger than me, so they, they played soccer. Soccer is big for kids here, uh, but I'm not quite sure why it hasn't really caught on with uh, the American public, like the viewing public, as much as it has in the rest of the world. I have no idea. I saw this thing uh, Keith Olbermann did huh? mm-hmm. a lot of days ago where he just basically explained that whenever a tie can be a win, like Americans <laughs> aren't interested. <laughs> well, it, it is a little frustrating that for... Uh, that it can end in a tie and then, you know, nothing nothing happens. I don't really understand that. Uh, Americans <laughs> do like winners and losers. <laughs> well, that, that's true. But you see, that, that by the same, like, the same logic, like, I never really got baseball. Uh, well, baseball is super boring. So I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I went to my wife's uh, father, so my father-in-law, obviously, is a huge baseball fan. So he came to visit us a couple weeks ago. Uh, and uh, so we went to uh, a Phillies game, which is our, you know, Philadelphia's baseball team, imaginatively named baseball team. Uh, and the thing lasted forever. It was like four hours long, and oh. there was maybe five minutes of excitement in those four hours. It was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, and what's the mascot of the Phillies? Uh, this weird, I don't even know what that thing is. Uh, it's a fanatic, I- and it is a weird green monster of some sort. <laughs> I I think we started. I think I'm like I'm gonna leave this in. All right. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So one more question about uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm gonna have a couple of more. But like, how? Like, the impression I get, right? And I, I've only been to New York, so keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, in the states, but like, you guys are like in Philadelphia are sort of the uh, the rudest part of America. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Is that like that? Is that fair to say, or is that just this myth that all of Philadelphia is just like people who like you know flip like people off and cuts and stuff? Like I, that's basically <laughs> well, how it translates over here. I think there are certainly those folks here in Philadelphia. Uh, I believe that this all started. There was uh, I forget there was some kind of game, maybe an Eagles game. So that's our football team. Uh, and people are crazy about the fo- American football, I should say. So, uh, not soccer, uh, b- but uh, American football, the Philadelphia Eagles, everybody's crazy about them here in Philadelphia. And at some point, maybe in the 70s, I think, uh, there was a game with the Eagles uh, around Christmas time. And the Eagles were doing really, really poorly. And so the crowd was very, very rowdy. Uh, and Santa Claus came out because, you know, it's Christmas time. <laughs> Uh, and the crowd booed Santa Claus. <laughs> and so I think that is really, many people have uh, identified that as the moment when Philadelphians got this bad rap as being uh, rude people because uh, they booed Santa Claus. But if you come to Philadelphia, 
you'll be surprised that people are nice. I mean, much like in New York, uh, New Yorkers sometimes get a bad rap for being rude, but they're not being rude. They're just busy, right? So they, they are they're to the point. Here in Philadelphia, yeah. we're not that busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what's the excuse then? <laughs> but we're, we just, you know, it's a big city. Uh, we, it, it, we have a certain kind of northeastern brusqueness, I think. Uh, but overall, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. So uh, we, we're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm really sorry. So you're, you're defending. No, no. Hey, you know, uh, there are rude people all over the place. So. Well, yeah, there's rude people over here. So, you know. But I, I, mean, I find it fascinating that that is the, the impression that you have as an outsider who is uh, not familiar with Philadelphia. Yeah, because I I don't know. I have this, like, I guess it's a recurring theme now. I, I talked to, uh, about this with Jason Snell and uh, uh, John Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You, you see, like, it's easier now because of the internet. And basically because I, you know, get to listen to podcasts, really, because, like to guys like you and stuff. So I, you get this window into the Amer- like the American life, basically, that you couldn't get before. And before that, it was basically all TV shows. Right. Right and like like news reports, which is usually about murder, and you know <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the you know, there's always that, like a three minute segment in the news over here from America that some you know dude murdered like three people in a van or something like that. Just three that, people. I, that's that's a good well, day here. <laughs> Uh, we're not gonna go into that because that's a whole like, yeah. But yeah, you, you show you, you get these like these snippets of life over that, and it's never quite it never quite makes sense. You know, TV shows, as John Syracuse pointed out to me, are not the best way to you know, gleam yeah. uh, into the American psyche. So Philadelphia has not been portrayed nicely in many media uh, outlets. So I mean, the biggest, of course, is Rocky, right? So you think about Rocky; he's from Philadelphia, yeah. And the first movie. Uh, Philadelphia is just like a pit that you don't want to come into. Uh, and I think 12 Monkeys maybe was in Philadelphia too. Uh, so oh, really? oh, yeah. But that's yeah, that, that's a good movie. That is a good movie, but not uh, doesn't <laughs> depict the city as its finest hour. Uh, oh, I do love it. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Well, I love see, that show. That show yeah. is very funny. Uh, I also, I don't know if it's the best depiction of the city either, <laughs> but it is funny at least. And they're, they're doing yeah. it on purpose. Okay, so you, you can see where, you know, if I put together a mosaic, I guess, because <laughs> sort of Philadelphia yeah, comes across kind of. Philadelphia yeah. is, a, is a weird kind of city because we have that one one kind of uh, reputation for being, you know, dangerous and rude. And then the other thing is that, you know, of course, there's Independence Hall, and this is where the Declaration of Independence was signed, Benjamin Franklin, all this kind of colonial history is here in Philadelphia. So it's, it's a duality, uh, and Philadelphia also... Is kind of has a kind of a, 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 a complex about itself because we are right between New York, which is you know if you think of Amer- I'm assuming people who aren't American or even Americans who think of a, a great American city, the first one they think of is New York City, uh, and then Washington D.C. So we're between the the cat like the cultural and financial capital of the country and the actual capital of the country, and then there's Philadelphia, which a lot of people just think of as like a train stop between Washington and New York. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I guess you should like, tell people who you are now and what you do. <laughs> well, I represent uh, the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, like, you're part of the mayor's team That's or right. something. Like you should... <laughs> 
like the special envoy to Philadelphia. I'm, uh, the ambassador to the world of Philadelphia. It's not as bad as you think. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Like, not... <laughs> there are good things here in Philadelphia too. Oh. <laughs> uh. So so yeah okay this is okay okay I'm gonna this is my first and proper question although we're eight minutes in <laughs> I guess uh, who are you and what do you do I am Scott McNulty I am I guess most people would know me from two things that I do I suppose uh, I'm a writer and uh, a podcaster I do other stuff too but those are probably the main things that people would know me from. Okay, we're going to get into podcasts, and especially your latest podcast, which, you know, it's why you're here, basically. Because <laughs> like, like, you are on the list. I have a list, Ooh. you know. But, like, as soon as a random track started, you moved way up. Ah, well, great. Like, just way up. Uh, so, But we'll get to that. So, you um, you were at Tuau, right? Yes, I, I was. Uh, that's where I started my kind of tech writing career at Tuau. So yeah, because when I did my research, I did not know that actually. Like I, I, I uh, the first time I heard you was on the Incomparable, mm-hmm. of course, and you know. But uh, I did not like. But the the way you have it written down in your uh, about page mm-hmm. is that you were there when that site actually took off. Yes, is that fair to say? That, that I think uh, now I can't take all the credit, obviously, but I think I was I joined Tua, and it was a very different kind of blog. I mean, it was a very different time for blogging as well, uh, where. I go back and read some of my first posts on Tua, and uh, it's kind of embarrassing because they're like two sentences and uh, not very good sentences either. Uh, but <laughs> so the traffic was, I wouldn't say low, but it wasn't great. But I think they hired me on and gave me my first break. And then uh, they recognized, uh, I guess, my meager talents. And I started hiring other folks. And then eventually I became like the guy in charge of Tua. Uh, for a while and I kind of gave us before it was just kind of a, a like a hobby for weblogs Inc. this was before it was owned by AOL and um, they weren't really concentrating on it and then Apple's popularity grew so that obviously helped traffic and then I kind of set up this thing where I was like okay we need to start posting meatier things because that's the best way to get into it and we need to post I think uh, the the key to success is Write something, write or podcast or whatever, something that you're passionate about, and do it regularly, right? So uh, I think we had the passion part down, but we weren't posting regularly. So I, I created this kind of schedule where we would post at least once every hour for like 12 hours. So there'd always be a huge number of posts, and that really helped with traffic. And so that's my story there. So but yeah, but what was it like back then? Like, what time was this? What's the time frame? Oh, oh, you're you're taxing my memory here. I have to go on <laughs> on the internet and find out. No, because I'm I, the the reason I'm interested is because you know, like I don't know. I when I started really following tech, like Tua was always there. You know, it's okay. just one of those sizes, just there. It's like it's like the Verge now. You know, and the Verge is pretty new, I guess. But you know, the Verge has just kind of always been there. I guess for somebody that's just been following this for a couple of years. But because so I'm fa- I'm fascinated with the fact that you you mentioned it was like a small blog then, and I don't like I just want to know what that was like that ascension. I guess uh, that happened with Apple, but you know. Well, uh, I left Tua in 2008, so I must have started. I'm trying to figure out when I started. Okay, so this was the iPod era. This then, was the, right? the iPod was announced. That was a big help to our traffic. Uh, it was this was pre iPhone. This was before 
uh, you know, all the cool kids were um, doing Apple stuff. Uh, this we, we were hardcore Apple fanatics before it was cool to be hardcore <laughs> Apple fanatics. <laughs> How hipster of you. <laughs> exactly. I liked it before uh, everybody else did. So I must have started in, what, 2005, I guess? Oh, awesome. That, I don't know. That just, I don't know. That it's always like, it's weird when you, when you have like sites that actually survive that long now, because like the, the, you know, just the proliferation of blogs back then was insane. Like everybody just wanted to have a blog and then blogger came out and, you know, WordPress sort of spread. And it's, I don't know, I just, it's, uh, it's just interesting to me to just, you know, yeah. talk to somebody that was there doing it, I guess, semi-professionally, uh, yeah, I guess. I, was doing it so, I mean, I started blogging personally in 2000, so I've been blogging for a long time. Uh, and then, uh, so I, I, I found my first post on Tua, and it's January 6th, 2005. Um, oh, wow. And so okay. uh, this was my first, I got paid to write these posts. I mean, I got paid, I think, probably uh, like $5 a post or something back then. Uh, it was craziness. Uh, I, I, there was no. I, I shouldn't have been doing it for that price, but I was just so excited that I was getting paid to write. Um, and and I mean, things have changed dramatically since then. <laughs> okay, so but how have they changed? Well, it's like become, I'm genuinely like what are the like, okay? I, I guess money wise, money wise, yeah, America, more people. Well, yeah. some people still write for free um, or for much cheaper. I think blogging has become much more professional than it was, uh, you know, nine years ago. Uh, people weren't thinking of it. Like you, you mentioned The Verge, right? The Verge is, it boggles my mind to think of The Verge as, I think it's even beyond a blog. It's kind of like a, I don't know what it is, electronic magazine or something like that, because they put so much effort into the presentation and uh, they have a huge staff and they do all this kind of video stuff. So they're like, you know, they're like a, a news channel and a magazine and a blog all wrapped together. And I think that's that's the model for especially these uh, sites that have big staffs, right? They, they have to pump out the quality. Uh, whereas back in 2005, we were just pumping out content and linking to stuff and, you know, writing very informally. And nowadays it's just become much more uh, uh, professionalized, like I said. And, I, I you know... As that's happening, I think that we get – you see things like uh, John Gruber and other folks like that who have one-man operations or one-woman operations, not to be sexist, um, who are bringing who, – who play up their personality, right? So they are – people go to those sites because they want to see what that person thinks, whereas people go to The Verge to kind of get a whole overview of what's happening, not necessarily to look for what – one of the Verge reporters is thinking. I can't even think of anyone who writes at the Verge, but uh, you know, somebody I'm sure can. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It's more <laughs> yeah, like know, a, know, it's yeah. a team effort. Uh, whereas we were trying, I think in the early days of blogging, it was uh, your personality was kind of the main attraction, and you were a lot starkier. I mean, certainly there's still a lot of snark out there, um, but certainly tech blogs have uh, tamped it down a little. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's gonna shake out of that? Like, because at some point there were just too many, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I think... well, that's so Weblogs Inc., uh, which is the company that ran Tua and uh, Engadget and all those things before AOL bought them. Their first strategy was to just create a huge number of different 
blogs and just have this network effect, right? And so there was the Tua blog and there was a, a Google blog and there was a, like a real estate blog and a travel blog and a Microsoft blog. They were, they were trying to cover every vertical that they could think of. Uh, and then that didn't really work out so because it just kind of collapsed in on itself. Um, and so then they thought, well, let's try to really build up specific brand names that people will, will go to on popular topics. And that's where Tua's became Tua as opposed to, it used to be like apple.weblogsinc.com or something like that. Uh, and, oh, really? Yep. It actually had a, uh, hi, just, just a subdomain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that was, they were thinking network, network, network. Uh, and then now I think certainly it has, I think history has proven that kind of having strong brand verticals is the way to go. Uh, because people, I think, like to identify with brands. Speaking of Apple, right? You people—that's what one of Apple's great successes is that people identify and like the brand. Uh, of course, they also make very good products, but uh, you know, above and beyond that, it is a, it is a, one of the best brands in the world and most recognized. So, getting that brand out there is important. So, uh, have you ever been like a print journalist, then, or you, you're web only? Uh, well, I have had. A couple. So I I left UA and then I started writing intermittently for MacWorld, and so I've had a couple of actual print articles in MacWorld. But I I wouldn't consider myself a print journalist in any stretch of the imagination. Wow. Okay. I just wow. That's awesome. I guess. <laughs> no, that just seems okay. Yeah. Because I'm I'm a print guy basically, and it's because the web over here isn't really viable, like in any shape or form. Why, why is that? Well, because I don't like I don't. There's a couple of small size that kind, of, but there's there's two million people in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. So, and the weird thing is, over there's a ton of magazines over here still. <laughs> it's this weird. I don't I don't I don't want to call it an anomaly because I don't know like the situation elsewhere. But there is just an insane amount of them. And like with the, you know, the 2008, like, uh, you know, recession or whatever, I guess the, it's, it's gotten like the, the, the field is shrinking, but uh, you'd be surprised basically. So do all, and like, do all these magazines yeah. have, cause you know, obviously we have a lot of magazines here as well, but they all have, they seem to shift their focus from the magazine, like the print thing. They still have it, uh, but they've shifted to putting everything on the web and on their website. Uh, is that well, happening yeah. there as well or? Yeah, well, it is, but you know, like it's. I don't like. I don't know how you monetize that. I guess I talked with Jason mm-hmm. about that because I'm I'm an online editor of a magazine now, oh, so okay. I'm well, this, supposed this to. This is think. the problem you're supposed to solve. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it's just I don't know. I just that, that's why I envy you guys, like even Jason, you know, with IDG and Macworld mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah, it just it's sort of. I think America, just because of the sheer volume of the eyeballs you can get, oh, you can, sure. you know, a lot of a lot of stuff gets worked out. I, mean, I think we were speaking of Philadelphia before. There are five million people in Philadelphia, so uh, just you know, that's two and a half times, uh, or Slovenia. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even that's just a, we could. Philadelphia has a couple of websites that are just devoted to the Philly tech scene, which I find uh, amazing that they survive and they have full time employees and they do all kinds of wacky stuff. And the way they have done it is you think of – the first thing you think of with a website, at least I do, when you're trying to monetize it is advertising, right? And that's probably the hardest thing to do because 
of the fact that you have you can get so many metrics, right? So advertisers are like, well, I'll only pay, and thanks to Google, they know like I'll pay like half a penny for a click or something like that, and nobody clicks advertising on the internet anymore, right? So that's yeah. that's a problem. So they have done something I think is pretty clever. They they hold a lot of events. They run events and. Uh, they charge for them and they make a lot of money and they have this whole big thing called Philly Tech Week where they do – they run a couple of their own signature events but then they uh, have the rest of the community kind of put their tech events that were already happening under this umbrella. So they get sponsorship and it's a whole big to-do. Uh, they played a big giant game of Tetris on a skyscraper here. Uh, so they do – Oh, I saw that. Yep. Yeah, I actually saw See, that. That was in Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, so they're doing an interesting thing and I think they also do um, what do they do like job boards and that kind of thing so there are lots of different models I don't know which is which is right but I don't think anybody does no (laughs) it's it's yet to be determined I think everybody's trying to figure out how to how to make money (laughs) yeah because that's that's you know that that whole thing that at some point like you know newspapers and magazines gave stuff away for free on the internet right that that still had not been reversed, I think. <laughs> well, they're yeah. trying. They're trying to reverse it, but it's tough. Yeah, once something goes free, you know. But that word has become uh, sort of like the uh, the word free on mobile. I think is is just so tainted with the app situation. It's mm-hmm. not even funny. I just I just wrote an article like two days ago about in-app purchases. Which has just gone insane. It's true. I was going to say, maybe that's the way that uh, journalism will survive. (laughs) They'll give you, you'll get the newspaper or the magazine for free, and then you open it up, and there'll be like maybe two articles. And if you want to read the rest of the articles, you pay like a quarter uh, per article, and there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or or, or like you'll have to pay, or they'll lock you out of the newspaper for 24 hours. That's right. (laughs) That is the most annoying thing. There are a couple of games that I have tried out and I'm, I'm really bad at games um, and I'm certainly a casual gamer and it frustrates me to no end when I'm playing like three, I guess, or four, whatever that game is. Uh, and you know, you, you run out of lives and then you have to wait like 40 minutes to try again, or you can buy it for a dollar. You can do it right then. Like, oh. Yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah, I actually—that's the exact thing I wrote about. Like, like, it, uh, like when when you're at the point where you, you're just waiting to play the game, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that's a game. Okay? <laughs> it's just—I think it loses its gameness. I guess it's, it's just not. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, it's like the Farmville thing, uh, which I have never played. But my mother, who is not the most savvy person in the world when it comes to technology is obsessed with Farmville. So I had to I had to block her on Facebook because she kept asking me to visit her farm and buy her tractors. Uh, I mean, the game was doing it. I don't think she realized that it was happening. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. And then so, she, you know, the whole thing on Farmville is you, you have this farm, obviously, and you plant crops, and I guess you take care of chickens and whatever. Uh, but things, it's, you know, you plant something and then you have to wait, like, 40 minutes for it to grow. Or... You can pay like you know whatever a dollar, and it will automatically grow, and you can reap your crops then. So it's all a sophisticated way to to milk money out of you. Yeah, especially out of people that have never played games before and think this is how it's always been. Right. Like I just, I I love to see a person that actually thinks that I don't know, like a game from the nineties. Like if you played like Red like Command and Conquer Red Alert, mm-hmm. you like had to pay for it to 
build a tank faster. <laughs> like, that would make I'm sure that somewhere, whoever makes uh, Command and Conquer is working on that right now. <laughs> yeah, a mobile version. Exactly. Yeah, if you want to use the Ion Cannon, five bucks. Dude. Oh man, the Ion Cannon, that's so much fun. <laughs> Bringing back memories of Command and Conquer. Oh yeah, I used to play those games to death, but yeah. I was an RTS guy, I guess. Uh, I, I enjoy those games. Once again, I'm really bad at them. I don't know what it is, but I'm bad at games in general. So I would enjoy playing them, but also swiftly get defeated, which is why I never <laughs> play online because I tried it with, what did I try? Maybe Halo, which I really like, but I'm not very good at. Uh, and I, I got into this match online and like a 12-year-old kid somewhere uh, immediately killed me and then started mocking me. And I was like, oh, this is, this is not fun. And so I locked off and never again have I played online. <laughs> yeah, I talked about this with John Syracuse and like, I get, with Halo, you want them dealing with a lot of Japanese guys. Like when you play Nintendo games and you think you're good and then just some kid from Tokyo just destroys you. There's no mocking there. That's true. I've never been mocked. See, they're, you know? they're very polite, like, but they're they yeah, politely but, destroying you. <laughs> basically, yeah. Right. Okay, so we'll go into podcasting okay. now, which, you know, I've thrown my notes basically out the window because <laughs> I don't know. We started with sports, which is weird. I'm like sorry sports. about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, which is, you know, this might be the weirdest. Well, you know, it is Scott the World Cup. Know. It's World Cup fever. Everybody has World Cup fever. Wow, yeah, but I'm I'm six foot eight and I play basketball, so it's not really my sport, okay. you know. Yeah, See, my but, uh, my family crazy about basketball. I am not crazy about basketball, but my my family is. Now, see, we can go into the whole why NBA basketball isn't really basketball until the playoffs. Oh. But since you're not a yeah, sports I, person, I would have nothing to add. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about Star Trek. Ah, which, I, uh, bet comes... I could talk about. <laughs> Yeah, common ground, man. Common <laughs> ground. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, random track. Okay, explain to people what random track is, because I just I want people over here to just you know sort of listen to it basically. So just explain the, the premise, and then we'll we'll go into Star Trek. Okay, sure. So the idea is there are six hundred over six hundred and fifty episodes of Star Trek across several series, and then add the movies. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to just pick a random episode of Star Trek uh, and then talk about it with somebody on a podcast. And so that's the basic premise. I have a list of uh, 681 different Star Trek episodes and movies uh, in a spreadsheet. I go to random.org. It gives me a number. I take that number, match it up to the spreadsheet. That's the episode that I will uh, inflict upon my guest, depending on what episode it is. We watch it before the podcast. And then we talk about it. It's very simple. So you, it, it is actually random. Like, you actually do totally that. You random. go to random, not cut. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, so far the selection has been, you know, weird. There's no... Exactly. I was trying to find a pattern. There is no pattern. <laughs> Except that the random, random.org apparently loves Voyager. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I was about to say that. Which, you know, you know Voyager is kind of... For me, it's, it's sort of... That's... Uh, like, like the next generation is sort of my Star Trek series, but Voyager, I don't know. I, I have a sweet spot for Voyager. See, like, I think this is the most surprising thing that I have found by recording this podcast. Uh, so, the at the moment, I think only five episodes are up, but I have recorded something like sixteen. Uh, so, oh wow, I, I'm okay. way ahead here. Uh, and so, I've talked to a lot of different people. 
about Star Trek, and I am surprised by the number of people that truly like Voyager, uh, because when I first watched it, when it first came out, I, I hated it with a passion. <laughs> uh, Why? I don't know. Well, I do know. So at first it was because Captain Janeway was a woman, and I was like, why is this woman in charge? Uh, but I was young and misguided. Okay. Okay. I, I quickly overcame that because uh, I realized, A, that was ridiculous uh, to, for, for me to think that a woman couldn't be a starship. Uh, well, even, you know, it's fictional, but still ridiculous that she couldn't be that captain. And as I watched the show, uh, Captain Janeway is a great character. And Kate Mulgrew, who plays her, is a, a great actor. So uh, she is not the problem. But... There are many other characters in Voyager that I find super annoying. And well, we all know the one character that everybody finds annoying. Oh, there's Neelix. Like, well, yeah, I was about to say yes. that, yeah, which is yes, the, the biggest flaw of that show, I think. And the, so they got rid of Kess, so that helped, because uh, I found her annoying as well. Uh, well, yeah, but I just found her annoying because she was <laughs> Neelix. That's true. Maybe if they could get rid of Neelix, uh, Kess probably wouldn't have been so bad. And I don't like uh, Harry Kim, because he doesn't really do anything. Uh, Tom. Pa- oh, really? oh, well, I, I actually like Harry yeah, Kim. You, know, so. you can be wrong. Uh, and, <laughs> no, that's fine. and Tom Paris always rubbed me the wrong way. That being said, I really like Chakotay and Tuvok. I think they're great characters. Seven of Nine, who comes in later. Uh, at first, I was worried about her because I thought, well, obviously, she's a very attractive woman. So I thought, okay, this is just they're trying to sex up the show, uh, which is also a fatal flaw of Enterprise, I believe. Um, but Seven of Nine is, in fact, a great character as well, who just happens to be very attractive uh, and wear a skin tight suit <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it, that is not her reason for being there. Uh, she has uh, she is a very powerful character, and she doesn't take any you know crap from anybody. So, um, and of course, there's the Doctor, who's a great character. So there, there's a lot of things going for Voyager, and it is no longer my least favorite series. So. Oh, which is your least favorite? Then? Enterprise. Well, yeah, like that's a given. I yes, think. exactly. I just, I, yeah, because when it was first originally on, uh, we well, I torrented it basically because <laughs> no, like no network here would show it. <laughs> Wisely. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. When I saw it, I, I, I knew why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like the next generation, like you, you still had that on reruns, but you know, no Enterprise. Basically. Oh, Enterprise! I mean, the the problem with Enterprise, there are many problems with Enterprise. But it first, it started off just on a bad thing because they wanted to make it, they wanted it to be Star Trek, but they wanted it to appeal to non Star Trek fans. And so what they did was alienate their core audience, and the people who weren't Star Trek fans weren't interested anyway. So nobody watched it, and nobody liked it. Uh, and that's why I think their final season, the fourth season, when they knew they were being canceled, they la- they were like, okay, well, let's just Star Trek it up. And so the fourth season is actually pretty good uh, because they go back to the roots of Star Trek and you get a lot of strong episodes. Um, but it, it took a while. Yeah, I never watched the last uh, season, which I, I think I gave up in the middle of the third one. Yeah, I mean, it's, you might yeah. want to check it out again. Uh, there are probably other... You could just watch The Next Generation again and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'd be fine. And the other thing that bothers me about Enterprise, which I've talked about on every episode of Random Trek where we talk about an Enterprise episode, which I think at this point maybe once or twice, uh, is the theme song. It drives me crazy. 
Oh yeah, yeah, because it's not the well the 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 Star Trek song. Basically. Exactly, it's not an yeah. orchestral thing. It's a stupid yeah. pop song. Uh, yes, just annoys me. And like a, like a weird like it's it, I think it belongs in the nineties and it wasn't. Well, yes, like... it, it is like a nineties <laughs> pop song. That's and they sing all about fate, uh, which is not yeah. Star Trek. Uh, I uh, Greg Noss uh, and I talked about an Enterprise episode, and he brought up the point that Star Trek is not about faith; it's about science and you know, being adventurers and not having faith of the heart, which is the whole, whole song. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, that, that rubbed me the wrong way too. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that because it was just, yeah. So, but uh, how, how did you first come across uh, Star Trek? I, I think I heard you talk about this on one of the incomparable, but still. Like... It's funny you should mention this because I, I as I've been doing this random Trek thing, Star Trek has taken up even more time in my life than it has before. So that made me, really try and think about the first time that I saw Star Trek. And so I couldn't remember. So I was talking to my mom maybe yesterday or the day before. And I said, do you remember how I first got interested in Star Trek? And she said, well, when I was growing up, I watched the original series uh, and I liked it. And so I guess when you were a kid, the original series was on, you know, in syndication. So we would just watch it and you just took to it. Uh, And certainly when The Next Generation came on, I really got into it because it was a new Star Trek and, you know, it was this new crew and I was of an age where I could understand what was going on and I was cognizant of it. And it wasn't, I, I mean, I, the, the original series has a, a, always has a place in my heart, but it is certainly of its time uh, in more than <laughs> one way. Uh, the pacing is very different than modern TV shows. Uh, you know, the there's blatant sexism. Um, there's a lot of kind of jingoistic things going on with Captain Kirk punching aliens in the face. Uh, so it's it's entertaining, but it is certainly of its time. And, and the Next Generation, I would argue, is also of its time, but it also that happens to be my time. So it has a special place in my heart as well. It's kind of like it isn't the Next Generation is in fact not my favorite Star Trek series, but it is the one that I think of as my Star Trek series, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I, I get that. The thing is, I think, like, I, I, I think a couple of months ago, I rewatched the entire uh, original series. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, I, there's something about, I agree with everything you said. Like, it's, it, it's wrong on a, like, on a deep level just because of the time it was right. <laughs> like shot in where some stuff was just normal back then. It's really just, it, it is know. not normal now. Yeah. Yeah. Just like every time, you know, that director of photography that gave the fuzzy filter to all the mm-hmm. women like that just cracks me up. Yes. It's so <laughs> obvious. And I don't even, and then of course we talk about the costumes that they put those poor women in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or lack of costumes. In the many of, lack of yes. costumes. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess yeah but you see you, you were indoctrinated into that because you know you thought like Janeway wasn't well, supposed exactly. to be a captain I blame so. the original <laughs> series for that uh, and, but, and the weird thing not the weird thing but the funny thing is the original series in the 60s was quite progressive and now we're looking at it uh, you know 40 years later and thinking this is so you know, so much sexism is going on but this is like you know there was a, a black woman who had a, a an important role on the bridge and women were serving on a military ship. This was crazy stuff for the 60s. Yeah, I just had those blind spots that, you know, sort of, you, you, I, I sort of let it get away with. 
Well, I mean, if you know what you I mean, have like, to, you have to, you know, take it in the context that it was it was written in. Much like you know, if you watch an American movie from the forties, uh, chances are somebody at some point there's going to be a musical number where somebody is uh, in blackface, which is just shocking <laughs> to a modern audience. But it was, I guess, it was something they did back then. I don't know, uh, but it's just so weird. <laughs> Okay, so so how how are you with the movies like the the Star Trek movies? Because I don't know, I've never heard you talk about that, and it's you know how like because okay, I'll ask you, I'll ask I'll ask it like this: like, did, do you like the new ones? Oh, the J.J. Abrams reboots. Yes, I do yes. like them. I think that they have the spirit of Star Trek. I think maybe fifty percent less lens flare might be good. Uh, and I am glad I was afraid when they, they the first one came out uh, Star Trek I suppose it's just called uh, that they were going to make all the actors basically do impersonations of you know William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and all that stuff Yeah. and I'm very glad that they didn't do that because uh, I think that Star Trek is I mean this is going to sound ridiculous but Star Trek is these characters are kind of immortal so they're kind of like you know, a Shakespeare play, uh, Hamlet. Lots of people have played Hamlet, uh, but it's always Hamlet. So, you know, lots of people, I think, can play Captain Kirk, but he's always Captain Kirk. Yeah. So that's- I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with that. It's they, Especially the, you know, Kirk, Bounce, and the Spock trio, I think mm-hmm. that's the... Uh, you, yeah, no, no matter who the actor is, that there's, it's still those three guys. As I long think. as they can <laughs> capture the spirit of those characters... They don't have like Chris Pine, who play Kirk, who plays Kirk now in these new movies. He's not doing a William Shatner impersonation. He certainly oh, yeah. there are. There's a little <laughs> bit of William Shatner in his performance, uh, but he is he is playing Captain Kirk, not William Shatner as Captain Kirk, and that's a big difference. Oh yeah, well I also think that's sort of impossible. Like if somebody just want to try to play Shatner, it would just <laughs> it would just look so bad. I mean. Yeah, you, just... as you recently you watched the the original series, and uh, he had some moments where he was a little over the top. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. <laughs> yes. Like that's that's the kindest <laughs> thing you can say, probably. Yeah, but I still love that show. I don't know what it is. Like this is like uh, I every time I talk to one of you guys from the Incomparable, I sort of like it. It, it eventually gets to Star Trek because <laughs> I, I I never really knew I was a Trekkie until uh, like uh, like five six years ago, and then I just gave up and figured, yeah, I actually like this too much. Like this is it's <laughs> you came out of the Trek closet. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because I don't, I just, you know, and I recently got Netflix because mm-hmm. I spoofed my DNS, so they think I'm American. Ah. Uh, yes, and uh, the, I think my, uh, uh, my uh, what's the the area my area code for Netflix is nine zero two zero. You're in Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Ljubljana is basically Beverly Hills. It's not, but yeah. Uh, so uh, when I got Netflix, I, just, I I saw a bunch of documentaries there about Star Trek. I just I think I watched all of oh, them. Oh sure, Trekkies uh, and Trekkies too. To, yeah, I actually I've actually seen Trackies before. I torrented that like ten years ago or whatever it was out. But yeah, I saw the captains, oh, the captains where yeah. Kirk talks to yeah to all of the cat. Well, which is actually good, but has awful like product placement in oh, it. Oh yes, I don't know if you know, but yeah, Kirk, like guy Kirk <laughs> Shatner uh, wears uh, I think like a bombardier, like the 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 company that makes planes. Mm-hmm. 
I apparently they paid for the whole movie because yeah. he's in a cap of that, like, and he flies with that planes and stuff. <laughs> it's just hilarious. I saw that. And I thought, as is so happens with William Shatner, I think he tried really hard to make the movie not about himself, uh, but it is basically about him, and then he talks to other people. But it's very interesting, and Avery Brooks is a wacko. Yeah, <laughs> in a good way. Glasses. Yeah, in a good way. But yeah, just. He's that, you know, the guy that speaks French and can play, like, the piano. Exactly. He's that yes. guy. Which, and uh, he's, he's operating on a different level than I am, and I think it's a fantastic level, but he is wacky. <laughs> yeah, we'll never be that no, guy, I no, think. I don't think that's, so. That's reserved for a very tiny percentage of the population. Very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, like, okay, so you're, like, 16 episodes in. Which is wow! That's that's a, a hell of a backlog, to, you know. So you're never nervous, nervous of missing one. I guess. Well, so I, I, as I said, I do two things. I'm a writer and a podcaster. So I need. I'm writing a tech book over the next couple of months. So I need to have all these episodes done so I can actually write. <laughs> ah, okay. So you you're not gonna do both at some point because no, I can't. I can't that, do both. <laughs> oh yeah, well you're telling me I write and do See, this stuff. See, it's too much. So. <laughs> Oh, it's way too Plus much. I have a, but I do like I have a full time job as yeah. well, so you know, it, it 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 there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, uh I guess we're just one more thing about Star Trek and then I have this thing where I ask you about your hardware and software, like the stuff you okay. use. But uh, uh the uh the podcast when when you started, mm-hmm. like did you know it was gonna work this well? Do you know what I mean? Is it working well? It's a, That's the question. I don't even know now. Yeah, if it's like, well. yeah but I actually, yeah, I actually think it it does. Like it's I because when I heard about it, I was like, ah, oh, that's just a weird premise. Like I don't know how that's gonna. No, seriously, because I, you know, I uh, like I, ha- I have a whole podcast network here, and I do three shows, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a, like an eight show network. And I, you know, every time I hear a concept and stuff, I always, I, I always, so sort of, I like to think that I could so at least predict that it's, if it's going to be complete crap or it like work on some level. <laughs> I think like I like to pretend that I can at least tell that like, but it always you know surprises me. But <laughs> it really does work. It's like how like. Okay, well, I guess that's the question. Did you think it was going to work? Well, I did. I thought it was an interesting idea, um, and I thought it could work. The problem is that there are so many episodes of Star Trek and so many different uh, degrees of quality in those episodes, (laughs) shall we say, that uh, I think the problem – and I was talking about this uh, with my guest that I just recorded one yesterday, um, and I was talking about how – the two, the best shows, I think, are going to be the ones that are the episodes either really bad, the episode of Star Trek, and so we can, you know, talk about all the plot holes and all the craziness, uh, or it's like one of the classic episodes, and then you can just talk about how amazing it is and how, you know, the characters developed or whatever. The, thi- the episodes in the middle, though, where they're not really bad, but they're not really great, are kind of where things could go off the rails, but luckily... The people I'm inviting on really are helping to save that because we can just then we can just talk about Star Trek as a whole and not concentrate on like the middling episode that we watched um, and maybe get, you know dispense with that. So I think I, I I would like to take all the credit and say that it's working so well because I'm an awesome host, uh, but I don't think that is in fact <laughs> the case. I think it's working well because I have invited smart people on to talk about Star Trek. 
And that's the other part of it right there. So there's random, we're watching a random episode, but I'm also inviting people on that aren't necessarily Star Trek fans. So they're, you know, they could be, you know, they're sci-fi fans uh, and they obviously are aware of Star Trek, uh, but they aren't super hardcore fans uh, necessarily. There are certainly people who are, so that's an interesting conversation. But when you have a conversation with a fellow Star Trek fan, that's very different than when you're having a conversation with someone who is aware of Star Trek, but doesn't know, like, you know, why, uh, who the Jem'Hadar are and why they're, you know, whatever the the Steve Space Nine thing is. Uh, and so that makes it an interesting combination, I think. Yeah. I, I'm just waiting for Cat's Paw. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting oh, man. for. So, that third season of the original series. Oh, uh, yeah. But for like for this show, man, that's going to be a gold mine. Yeah. That's just that, going to be. Is, it <laughs> is true. I am looking forward to Spock's brain. See who. <laughs> who could yeah, be. a child could do it. Uh, right? that's exactly. <laughs> there, and, you know, I think that. You can always, much like Star Trek itself, is always a lens on whatever's happening at the time. We can use the episode to talk about, you know, current trends and things like that. So we'll see how it goes. I think I've been very pleased at the reception uh, because I am uh, a fatalist and a pessimist at heart, I think. And I figured that no one would like it. Uh, So I'm very happy that people seem to like it so far. Uh, And we'll see if they continue to like it. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's good to hear because I just want—I just wanted to continue because that—that's one of the, that's my new favorite show, basically. Oh, well, thank you. That's <laughs> very nice of you. Yeah, because it's—it's one of, like—is John Syracuse going to be part of this at any point? Oddly enough, I am recording an episode with John Syracuse tonight. Awesome! Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. Well, can can you like uh, can you tell, tell me the episode? Oh, you, you want to do it off air? Like I can—I can tell you the episode. It is a Deep Space Nine episode called Indiscretion. Okay. Oh, that's going to be... Oh, you see, I, I have something to look forward to again. <laughs> yes, it's going to take a few episodes, though, because this is... I am. He's going to be, like, episode 16 or 17, so... Oh, I don't, I don't care, man. That's... Uh, it's just... I don't know. I, it's one of those... It's one of those ideas that sort of, I, I figure, should have been done before, but it really wasn't. I know there was a Nerdist show where they went through the original series, episode by episode. And there's a, uh, that's, a, an ep- a podcast called Mission Log that is doing all a similar thing to what I'm doing, except they are doing uh, it all through in order. So they, I think, they have just gone through the whole original series, and now they're working through the original, <coughs> excuse me, the original movies. Um, and oh, okay. they're coming at it from not this is just a slightly different tactic because they are. I am less interested in like you know the production notes and like the music and all kind of the the esoteric Star Trekiness stuff. I'm more interested in let's talk about the plot and the characters and what this means. And they do that as well, but they also kind of go hardcore into the trivia kind of stuff, which is interesting, but it's just not what I want to talk about. So it's yeah. a different and how how people get turned into cubes. <laughs> exactly. That's like, yeah. on a... the important exactly. question. How, how do those belt buckles work? That's what I want to know. One button, many different functions. Just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, yeah, they're different beings and they're human now, and you know the Kelvins, right? That's, That's right. The, the Kelvins. Oh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> like, I'm, this is just so long. You're talking like, to a guy who hosts a Star Trek podcast, so don't worry. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're gonna go to the uh, last part of this. Uh, while, while I continue to call a show, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a show. Uh, 
Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, your hardware and your software, and since you are a Tua guy, I guess there's not going to be that many surprises, but you do write the Kindle Fire book. I so, do. You know, yeah. So what, what do you use? What do I use? I so I have an iPhone 5S. Uh, I have pre-ordered a Kindle Fire phone. I guess it's not Kindle. It's a Fire phone. So the Amazon Fire phone. Uh, I will be writing about that. Uh, I have uh, an iPad, uh, an Air, I guess it is. Uh, I have every Kindle tablet that has ever been made. I have I have every <laughs> e-ink Kindle that has ever been made. Uh, I have a Nexus tablet somewhere floating around that I don't really use that much. Um, what else do I have? I have I'm using an iMac right now to talk to you. Uh, and a, a what a 3.4 gigahertz Intel Core i7. Uh, with 32 gigs of RAM, uh, RAM, so that's very exciting. Uh, and also hooked up to it is a cinema display, so a lot of screen real estate. I have a MacBook Pro. Uh, I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like the Kindle uh, Fire tablets, mm-hmm. like over here they're useless. Well, yeah, just, just useless. Because you can't get any of the content, right? So yeah, it's just it's yeah. Because I, I, I write for a tech magazine as mm-hmm. well, and you know I review stuff, and I'm actually the Amazon guy, and the Kindles, yeah, like I, I can review those because you know people do no English books. and stuff. Yeah, well, not Slovene books. I think there's like three no. of them, but yeah, yeah, just uh, but you know if you can read English or French or German, you're okay. But like I got the, the original Kindle Fire, and like it was a crappy tablet anyway, <laughs> just useless over here. Just you can't do anything. Yeah, the original it's... Kindle Fire, which I wrote a book about, uh, was not the best uh, tablet. Oh, it was awful. It was actually awful. Was, that one was, was actually. Really it was cheap. It was cheap, but yeah, I think I don't know. I I review every like Android tablet you can imagine, even the weird Chinese ones ah. with you know the 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 branding that sort of sounds like an, it's an actual brand. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not really, you know, it's just one of those. I, I just imagine some dude opening a factory and picking a logo <laughs> online, just slapping it on a existing tablet. And, that's probably yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Amazon stuff that's... is interesting because I don't know what Amazon's strategy, like global strategy is, because they don't seem to care about anything outside of the United States as with, you know, content rights. And so much of their strategy with their devices is that you can – you know, access all this wonderful content that Amazon has. But like you said, once you leave the United States, uh, you then have just kind of a tablet that doesn't, like, 98% of what it's built to do, you cannot access. So what's the point of it? Yeah, I think, like, if you're in the UK, you're sort of okay, I guess. But really, yeah, that's exactly it. And I don't know why that is, because Apple is so in front on this. It's not even funny anymore. Yeah, I, it really. I don't know, like it's, and I think so. I have a, a Fire TV as well, which I skipped over. I don't know if you want to include that in hardware. I have a whole bunch of AV stuff too, um, and I really love it. Um, I think it's far superior to my Apple TV because uh, I, I think Amazon Video is better than uh, uh, iTunes. But uh, yeah, I don't know why Amazon. I guess maybe they, it's too expensive to do international. I don't know. Yeah, but it's weird because if Apple could sort of pull it off, I don't like Amazon's the the one other company that could actually do it because Google is just their their 
crap at that, you know, just doing any kind of deal with, you know, content providers because they have YouTube and I think that they think that's enough. And that probably scares (laughs) off a lot of content providers too because you can find a lot of things on YouTube that you really shouldn't be able to find on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, because it's YouTube because it's just swallowed the entire video market. (laughs) I think that is like internet video now at this point, you know, that and a couple of Chinese and Russian sites, I think, (laughs) then... Then it's just YouTube, but yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing, and I don't know why why that is. Because the thing is, like, I can order stuff from you know the German German Amazon mm-hmm. and you know the the British one. I do all the time, actually. Like physical objects. Yeah, physical mm-hmm. stuff. You know, the the only weird thing was for a long time. I, thought, I don't think that's true anymore. But the uh, Kindle e-readers, you could actually order it from Amazon, but they they only send it from America. Which is insane. And I actually ordered mine and I got it in three days, which is, you know, ju- that blew my mind. I don't know. Amazon's really like, good at it, delivering things. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but seriously, three that's days impressive. from like America, that was just, you know. Impressive. And when I saw the shipping information, like the tracking information, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I just thought I got, I, I'm serious, I thought I got the wrong number because it's like New Jersey, uh, Heathrow, <laughs> like Frankfurt, uh, Bernick, that's the. It's airport here, and it was in my hands. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what? Because I ordered, a, like, a couple of, like, shoes and stuff from eBay from America, mm-hmm. and that just took, like, a month. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I mean, even I order some stuff from eBay in America from Americans, and it takes forever because it's just, like, I don't know what Amazon does, but, well, they pay a lot of money to ship pe- things to delight people, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I'm a big Amazon booster. Yeah. I like Amazon a lot. Yeah, I, I think they're all kind of awesome, actually. Even the the UK site and the German site, like when you can get some stuff on there that really should not cost so little. Yes, that, <laughs> I mean I that know. is my my concern with Amazon is they're selling lots of stuff, but uh, they seem to be. I don't know how they make money. They aren't really making any money, so I don't know what's going on. But hopefully they don't go. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that whole thing, you know. Be- I think Bezos or Bezos or whatever you want to call the guy just keeps convincing people that like. At, they're just selling a small fraction of stuff you can actually buy, and they want to sell everything. Right. Like I think, like the potential for you know growth, and, you know the the stuff that Wall Street likes is that. Well, yeah, that's true. And I mean, as it stands now, I think the selling the stuff is not as big a part of Amazon's business as it once was. Since now, probably I don't know what the number is, but I, I bet a surprising percentage of the internet now runs on Amazon infrastructure, uh, which you know. Think about 10 years ago, uh, imagining that Amazon, the bookstore, would be running huge websites uh, that have nothing to do with Amazon except that now they're running in their cloud services. It's crazy. Amazon has reinvented itself. It's, It's an impressive story. Yeah, and one that actually goes unnoticed, I think, when you talk about them. Like, people just forget that S3 is them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's a weird thing because yeah, they sold books. I mean, it's not Amazon have... is not a sexy company, company right? A- Apple is a super sexy company. They make great products. Amazon, has, you have a great experience with Amazon, but it's not like a, you know, like ooh, this is so sexy. My uh, my Kindle showed up in three days. That's great. I mean, it is great, <laughs> but it's not like oh my god, it's it's the most wonderful <laughs> thing in the world. So I think they they have yeah. gone under the radar a lot, and people don't really understand fully what Amazon is doing. And they're doing some crazy stuff. Yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's yeah. When I bought the, I am on a, a Blue Yeti mic, mm-hmm. and I bought it off of uh, Amazon.co.uk, and it got here the next day. See, that's that's crazy. Which is 
and in Europe, that's a miracle. You know, this is not America where, you know, where we are in the EU and stuff. So it's getting better. But yeah, like a DHL guy called me the next day and says, I have a package. I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you, <laughs> is this like, how big is the box? That was my first question. <laughs> he told me the size of the box. I said, that might actually be it. And I ordered it like the previous day at like 2 p.m. Yeah, I, like in the morning. I don't know magic. how. That's, I, that's all I can Yeah. I think that or like they have, you know, Scotty doing the transportation. <laughs> I don't, and it's crazy here in America. Yeah. They are uh, the Postal Service doesn't deliver on Sunday, but Amazon has contracted with them. And in certain cities, the post office now delivers for Am- only Amazon on Sundays. So you could order something on Saturday afternoon and conceivably get it on a Sunday, which is just crazy. OK, I did not. Wow, that's. That's such an American thing, isn't it? Like, it's a private company basically paying the postal service to do the work on Sunday. It is, it is I think. one of the quintessential American things. <laughs> yeah, that's as a uh, yeah. The, I guess the the guy shows up in like like a flag, you know, jumpsuit. <laughs> and stuff. Like I don't know. That's just so American. Okay, so oh, I'm sorry. We're yeah, we're doing this Amazon thing okay. now. Uh, but yeah, okay. So software-wise, I, 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 since you use the iPad, I'm always interested in like iPad-specific stuff. So if you have any like apps you actually only use on the iPad, mm. that that's sort of what I'm interested in. And only on the iPad. So I, yeah. I like tablets. Uh, I have many of them. Uh, but you know, I never really. I use it for kind of, you know. There's this whole thing where oh, it's not just for consumption. And people can create things, which I think is true. But I don't create anything on my iPad. I use it solely for consumption. I use uh, Chrome instead of Safari because I don't like Safari. Uh, and I do it because you are a normal person. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I use Evernote, but that's not only on my iPad. I use it on everything because that's where I put all of my information. Uh, one password, once again, not just on the iPad, but on all of my devices because I don't want to remember my hideously complex passwords. Uh, and those are probably the biggest things I use my iPad and my iDevices for. I mean, I, I, it's a pretty boring answer, but... Uh, no, 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 that's a, that's a legit answer, because, yeah. And the number of people, like, I've done, uh, this is going to be my 80th interview, mm-hmm. like, on the Slovene side, with Slovenian people in Slovene, mm-hmm. so, you know. But, yeah, the, the number of people that actually uh, say, uh, like, uh, mention Evernote is kind of... It keeps surprising me because I, I just figured like there was me and some other like like seven other people that used it and it's like everybody uses Evernote. Evernote now. is great. Like no, yeah, it's awesome. And on Android, it's even better. Like on Android, it's so much better than on iOS. It's it's crazy. But and know. Evernote is one of those kind of, one of those products where I think I'm just using ten percent of what this thing can do, uh, but I don't want to spend the time trying to figure out what else it can do. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I just saw the, the new tab where you can make presentations and stuff. I'm like, I'm not learning that. I just, I don't, I like, who has, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, They keep adding stuff, but they add it in a way where, like, you are overwhelmed, but you're not angry at them. Because exactly. the buttons don't multiply. Like, they're not one, mm-hmm. you know. They just don't keep adding buttons. They just keep adding stuff in ways that I will never understand, but they keep. It's, it's you know, there in case you need it. And yeah, yeah, that's and they're yeah. doing Never the most. Case the most important yeah. thing I think is that they, they, the core functionality of the product, you know, syncing across devices, just works so well that I don't mind that they add other stuff. One, if that ever stops working, like you know, Apple's iCloud debacle with you know can't 
duplicating con- uh, contacts everywhere. If Evernote starts doing that, I would be quite upset. But so far, I've been using it for a long time, and they have never really messed up sync. So, and that's a tough, tough problem to solve. So, kudos to them. Yeah, um, yeah, I have the same experience. That's why I'm I'm on, I'm on a Nexus phone mm-hmm. and on Android because that, that I've never had any problems with sync. And I think like we, we, once you have like, at least two devices, like even if it's just a PC and a phone, like that has to work. Yeah. It just has to. That's I don't you know, like I if I if I just like, had a duplicate contact, like just once I'd go insane because <laughs> I like I really like put a lot of effort into having my contacts uh-huh. like arranged and stuff. Yeah, I want to like it's an OCD thing I think, but yeah, that that sort of has to work. Okay, so uh, Scott, my last question. Mm-hmm. Which is always the same. If you had to like name a uh, physical object, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like computer hardware and stuff that you you feel like it was made for you. You might still have it, you might not, but something that actually made like an impact on your life. I've gotten weird answers like space heaters and stuff. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> anything at all. It just you know, it can be your grandma, which I'm sure is she's a fine lady, but you know, it has to be a physical object. So what what, what would that be? I think it is probably going to. I have to say my Fitbit because I oh all right it is the piece of technology that has altered the way I live my life the most because it has when I first got it I've been Fitbitting for like maybe three years or something like that I first got it and I don't I'm assuming people know what a Fitbit is but it's a, a fancy digital pedometer basically so it counts counts your steps <laughs> and syncs across devices it does all kinds of wacky stuff uh, but the main thing is it it syncs your steps. And the idea is that you're supposed to set a goal for every day and you hit it and the default goal is 10,000 steps. And when I first got it, I thought, of course I walk 10,000 steps every day. This is going to be no problem. And I was horrified at how few steps I took, apparently. And so now I, you will, can often sp- find me at the end of the day walking around my, my dining room table for an hour so that I can get my 10,000 steps in. <laughs> so it, it awesome. has it has altered the way I live my life and uh, certainly made me walk a whole lot more than I did before. Oh, awesome! That's yeah, I get that. I have the uh, what was I guess the predecessor to the fuel band mm-hmm. it was this thing that you had to put actually a sensor on your shoe and stuff. So yeah, I I, I understand completely when you start to track your progress. The uh, like the mind is a strange thing when it just wants to get better at the stuff so yeah and i i was on a streak for like four months every day more than ten thousand steps and then i got the flu and i had two days where i got like 200 steps it was very depressing yeah and then the graph shows yes, it it was right? very sad. the graph is always uh i know yeah that's just depressing uh uh scott that that that's it that was that is the uh, whatever this is because that was we were all over the place, but I actually really enjoyed it. Like I think those are my best episodes where we just the sports thing at the beginning and the Philadelphia stuff was just weird. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. So like, thank you for doing this and taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun.